At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This is the Chicago City Cast with Danny Burke, presented by Bet Rivers. All right, happy Friday, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to it. It is time to end your week with another edition of the Chicago City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. Danny Burke, your host, here as always, live in the Windy City. But I will not be live with you next week. I will be out on vacation, taking the Euro trip, baby. We're hitting up London. Amsterdam and then heading to Dublin for that Nebraska Northwestern game hopefully can bring home a dub along with the boys so uh, yes I will be out next week but still uh, we'll try to be updating as much as possible when I'm at the game not sure what I'm gonna bet but we're gonna go over that in today's episode we'll update you on that line and uh, I'll give you really a lean of what I'm thinking but who knows by the time that I hit the pubs at Ireland and we get into the stadium Uh, Thoughts may differ, but you know how that goes. So we'll talk about that in the second part of this episode, along with a recap of the college football futures bets that I have made. And then to begin things, well, we'll recap all the action last night. We'll talk about the Cubs and Brewers day game, along with the Sox. Big upcoming series at Cleveland against the Guardians. That game starts at 6, 10 p.m. Central time tonight. Recapping last night. Did not go according to plan for your boy. But granted, and there's really no bug granites in sports betting, it's either you win or you lose. And I get it. I lost. I was a big fat loser. The but though is 
that, yes, I made this bet. We talked about it before the news about Drew Locke came down with COVID. And, you know, we laid four in the hook and a lot of spots had five in the hook. And then it went down to three and a half and three flat. So that was not ideal, of course, from our betting standpoint. But from a bear standpoint, again, it's preseason. But you're still content to see the progress that has been made at least throughout preseason. And man, if you're a Seahawks fan, I mean, you got to be feeling terrible right now. Or you're like, all right, that clears the picture. We can go with Drew Locke. I mean, Geno Smith had all the opportunities in the world. They were driving twice, and they just fumbled the bag. He went 10 of 18 with 112 yards, no tutties, no interceptions. Heck, Jacob Eason went 17 of 35 for 141 yards. So not really good on the side of Seattle. Uh, for Chicago, Justin Fields had a nice opening drive, 5 of 7, 39 yards. But then Trevor Simeon, Trevor Simeon looks like he's going to be a very sufficient backup, right? Northwestern kid, you love to see it. 8 of 15, 48 yards, one touchdown. And he had that spectacular play when he was falling down through it, and the ball was caught. However, the Bears didn't challenge it. The broadcast crew had no idea why, and Honestly, I'm sure nobody knew why they didn't do it, but maybe they're figuring, ah, it's preseason, forget about it. Peterman had a pretty good stat line himself, folks. 8 of 14, 85 passing yards. So look, there were some good things to happen all around. Cole Komet, two catches, 31 yards. His longest was 19. And the defense obviously did their job, only allowing 11 points. Again, it's just preseason, but we still are going to dive into it a little bit because for the Bears... It is a learning process. So for them, these preseason games do matter a little bit more compared to a team like the Kansas City Chiefs last week. They don't give a damn that they lost. But for the Bears, you want that momentum. You want to build that camaraderie, that rhythm post-preseason heading into the year with a new-look team, a new-look organization, and a new-look coaching staff. So yes, it matters a little bit more for Chicago. But yeah, unfortunately, a big loser on that. We go to 2-1 and one on our NFL preseason plays thus far. I haven't done anything for this weekend. I don't know if I will. I'm just not as attracted to this slate as I was last week. So holding off for the time being, maybe by rush hour tonight, I'll have something dialed up. But 2-1 and one in preseason. Baseball, we go 1-1 one and one yesterday. Right, We had a nice, sweat-free bet with the Astros beating the Sox once again. Hopefully, you're able to tune in to the CityCast yesterday and lock that bet in because the Astros took care of business and then some. They won 21-5, to so that was nice to see, getting the update as I was heading into work. And then we talked about that Cubs game. I, you know, I had a small lean with the Orioles, and the Cubs somehow pulled it out. They almost blew it. I, I don't know how they didn't. There was a guy at third with one out. And the guy tried to go home after a grounder to third, and the Cubs got him out. It's just something you typically wouldn't imagine the Cubs could execute. But not on this run. Not with the second-half Cubbies team, baby. They're different. <laughs> I mean, so it appears they are. But, I mean, come on. They're, they're overcoming the Orioles in a one-game stand on the road, and Baltimore needs this game. So tip your cap to the Cubbies. Uh, overall, though, oh, and then by the way, in rush hour, man, we got smacked. Took the Yankees on the money line. Terrible loss. The Yankees stunk it up. Montas looked like, I don't even know what he looked like. He just looked like a dumpster fire. But we lose that. So we go 1-2 and two on the day. NFL preseason record, 2-1. and one. Major League Baseball record, now at 62-52-2. All right, now let's move on to what we can look forward to. 1.20 p.m. Central Time, you've got the Cubs and the Brewers. Big series for the Brewers. And really, it's kind of still a big series for the Cubs 
if you take this momentum and realize that this team is not giving up and that they want to be spoilers, they want to screw their division rivals, so to speak, in the Milwaukee Brewers. Why not? You're not their big brother. No, 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 no. It's always been the Cubs. That's the mentality this Cubs team is probably going to look to instill heading into this series. They're clearly still fighting. And maybe they have a good chance to fight today against Aaron Ashby. The Southpaw has been abysmal for Milwaukee this year. 2 and 10, 424 ERA. His whip is 142. His FIP isn't terrible, but 415 isn't ideal. His Sierra's not bad at 360. But then, folks, I mean, he's walking over four guys per nine innings pitched, and he's got a home run to fly ball ratio of 19.4%. Yeah, not great for Aaron Ashby. And it gets even worse on the road. Well, granted, his FIP is a little bit higher at home, but his FIP on the road is 402. But his numbers are tremendously worse on the road in terms of his ERA, which is 455. And then his weighted on base average on the road is 341. Now, he's faced the Cubbies twice. His first game of the year back in April at Chicago, he only went 1.2 innings pitched, allowed three hits, one earned run, one strikeout. So, again, it wasn't him starting. And then his most recent game against Chicago was a start. It was at Wrigley Field, May 30th. There, he went six innings, allowed just five hits, one earned run, 12 strikeouts. Milwaukee won that game 3-1. to one. That was arguably his best start of the year. Not that much familiarity or success for Cubs hitters against Ashby, honestly, throughout his career. In the Cubs against lefties, look, for a spurt, they were doing really well at home against lefties. So the overall numbers are 715 with their OPS, 313 with their weighted on base average, and then 98 with their weighted runs created plus. But I was just curious, like we do with the Sox a lot of times, like what do their numbers seem to appear in a smaller sample size? So from July 1st is the mark I've been looking at for that smaller sample size for the Sox a lot, so I wanted to apply that to the Cubs. And then when you look at the Cubs versus lefties at home since July 1st, they've only had 96 plate appearances against lefties at Wrigley Field since the beginning of July. But their numbers... Oh my goodness, a 420 OPS, 203 weighted on base average, and a 21, yes, 21 weighted runs created plus. They are last in all of those categories by a mile. And look, even just against left-handed pitching, because you're only getting 96 plate appearances, so that could be still skewed a little bit. I know it doesn't sound little, but it's not that much. So then I'm like, all right, well, let me reference just their overall numbers against Southpaw since July 1st. And it still hasn't been that great. Their weighted runs created plus since July 1st against lefties is 81. So maybe the Cubs have taken a hit in that regard. But again, this team, out of their last 13 games, they've won nine of them. It's a different offense. So maybe take everything with a grain of salt at this point with the Cubbies. And what you also got to factor in here, naturally, is who the hell is pitching for the Cubs. And this one matters more than usual because this guy's home and road splits are insane. And we talk about it ad nauseum, but it's Keegan Thompson. At home, Thompson has an ERA of 240, a WOBA of 280, and a FIP of 293. Phenomenal numbers. Incredible. 
But then you look at what Keegan Thompson is doing on the road. Not that that matters here, but just to show you he's capable of being disastrous because his ERA on the road is 584. His weighted on base average instead of 280 at home, it is 387 on the road. His FIP at home, 293. On the road, it is 639. My goodness, what is going on in this kid's brain when he's away from the Ivy? I don't know. But his first pitching outing this season was actually versus Milwaukee at Wrigley. He went 2.2 innings, no hits, no earned runs, racked up four strikeouts. He hasn't had like an actual start versus Milwaukee, so there's really not that much experience facing him up to this point. By the way, his overall numbers read 9 and 5, 367 on his ERA, 127 in his, is his whip, 420 is his FIP, so that's a little high. Same with his Sierra at 415. But those splits are just so apparent that you almost got to hone in on that a little bit more specifically. But just to get more of an idea, let's consider how the Brewers are versus righties on the road. And this year overall, their numbers are pretty solid. 740 is their OPS. 320 is their WOBA. 105 is their weighted runs created plus. Overall this season versus right-handed pitching. Since July 1st, might as well apply the smaller sample size to them as well. Since July 1st, their numbers get even better. 778 OPS, 333 weighted on base average, and then a 113 weighted runs created plus. And just to throw this out there, because it's a division rival, I was curious how their numbers were at Wrigley Field versus righties. Not the best. 680 OPS, 299 WOBA, 91 weighted runs created plus. Just wanted to throw that out there. But this is a really tough game to handicap, honestly. Because Aaron Ashby, in two outings against the Cubs, while not the deepest of outings, has done some of his best work. But you know overall his numbers have been horrid. Keegan Thompson on the other side, if you're betting him, you're typically betting him at home. But he's still capable of having a really bad outing. And the Brewers are a team that's desperate to take advantage of a lower-tier team, what they consider being the Chicago Cubs so they can get a leg up in the playoff race. There are a few games behind St. Louis in the NL Central, and I think they're one game back in the wild card. Really quick, too, the bullpens. Chicago's bullpen ERA is 4 flat. Their whip is 131. Milwaukee's bullpen ERA is 386. Their whip is 123. So this line opened up at 147. Okay, the Brewers opened up as a minus 147 favorite at Bet Rivers. The Cubbies opened up plus 125. The total opened up at 9. The wind's blowing out to left center field. It's a hotter day, so runs could be coming in a uh, bountiful amount tonight, or today, pardon me. Currently, though, at Bet Rivers, the Cubs getting a little bit of love on the money line because they're down to plus 123, and the Brewers have moved now to minus 141. Total has moved up to 9.5. The over minus 112, the unders minus 107. If you want to dabble with the run line with Milwaukee, it's plus 114. And if you want to take the run in the hook with the Cubbies, it's minus 136. Look, naturally, I just wanted to go all over these numbers in case you wanted to get involved in it. But personally, I don't see a betting angle worth playing right now. There's too many what ifs here. Keegan Thompson, what if he performs like he does on the road? What if he has a great outing at home again? What if Aaron Ashby struggles like he's done against every other team? But also, what if he dominates against the Cubs because it's the Brewers against the Cubs and that's what they seem to do? I don't know. 
I really wouldn't argue any angle, especially if you're like, man, how are you betting against the Cubs right now? Ashby has been wishy-washy. The Cubs are getting plus money at home where Keegan Thompson has thrived. And the Cubs are on this little streak. I get it. I would understand. I honestly maybe would, despite the wind blowing out, but at the same time, you just don't know. I was going to say take the under, but man, who the hell knows right now with these pitchers? It's just such an unknown with these guys. If somehow, and not saying that it will, but if somehow this number got to 10 because the juice is on the over at 9.5, not saying it will, but maybe a live bet it, I would maybe entertain the under. The wind's blowing out, but not like an insanely aggressive amount. But that's what I'm thinking. Not much, clearly, but that's what we got dialed up at 1.20 p.m. Central Time for the Cubbies and the Brewers. Let's move on to the Guardians and the White Sox. 6.10 p.m. Central Time game. Big one for the White Sox. Big one for the Guardians. White Sox now, what, like two and a half games back from the Central? They made it fun for a second, and then they fall back down once again. But they can claim the top spot if they can sweep this Guardians team. Do you think they can do it? Absolutely not. But hey, maybe they can at least get a couple games here. And maybe they could get one tonight. So, as you know, the Sox split a four-game series with the Astros. The Guardians just split a four-game series with Detroit. Progressive field will be the home base. The wind is blowing in from center field, and it's a cooler day. So maybe uh, runs will be at a premium for this spot. Elvis Andrews, by the way, could be in the lineup for the White Sox. They just signed him. Could be playing infield in replacement of Tim Anderson. Here's the reason why I just could not muster up any courage to bet the White Sox here. Lance Lynn is pitching, which usually would have been a good thing, but this year it has been the opposite of that. So Lance Lynn is 3-5. and five. His ERA is 562. His FIP is 428. At least his FIP is considerably lower, but it's still 428. His batting average of balls in play is 312. I noted that out. We don't do it much, but it's because it's high. You want it under 300. Same with his home run to fly ball ratio. It's at 17.3%. You want it below 10%. His left on base percentage is 60.5%, which is also awful. You want it over 72%. So this is just showing you when guys get on base, only 60% of the time is he stranding them there and getting out of the inning. Like 40% of the time they're scoring. That's really bad. So, like, if your left on base percentage is 80%, 80% of the time, if there's guys on base, you're leaving them there because they get out of the inning. Lance Lynn ain't doing that. And what he's also not doing is performing even somewhat decent on the road. Folks, his ERA on the road is 746. His WOBA is 381, and his FIP is 521 away from guaranteed rate field. At guaranteed rate field, his FIP is 369. Perfectly serviceable there. But on the road, it's like, how do you almost not automatically fade those numbers? Well, he did have one good start versus Cleveland, but it was at home, of course. Six innings, three hits, no earned runs, six strikeouts. The Sox won 5-4. But he did face Cleveland at Progressive Field once this year. It was the first time he faced Cleveland, and this is why his road stats are bad, because it starts like this. At Cleveland, Lynn went four innings, allowed nine hits, eight earned runs, and the Sox lost 8-4. to four. Which of these Lance Lynns are you going to get? It's not a hitter's ballpark at Progressive Field, so why are you going to be struggling so much? Maybe he won't. 
But there's nothing that he's done, especially on the road, that would lead me to believe I can bet on this man not struggling in this specific situation. But let's consider Tristan McKenzie. He's going to be starting for the Guardians. He's a righty. He's 8-9 and nine with a good ERA, 314. His whip, tremendous, 0.97. His BABIP, awesome, 223. His left on base percentage, awesome, 81%. His Sierra, fine, 388. His FIP, a little concerning at 410. But he brings you back with confidence with his home splits. At home, he has a 281 ERA, a 248 Woba, and then a 310 FIP. He is way better at home this year. He's gone against the Sox twice. At home against Chicago, when 4.1 innings, allowed one hit, one earned run, four strikeouts, Cleveland won 2-1. Even at guaranteed rate field, McKenzie, 5.2 innings pitched, four hits allowed, one earned run, four strikeouts, and the Guardians won that game as well, 7-4. Now, the Sox against righties were not that bullish on them. However, when we look at since July 1st, we always give them a little bit more benefit of the doubt. But I just want to look at their overall road numbers versus righties. And in that case, their OPS is 697, their WOBA is 306, and their weighted runs created plus is 99. Which honestly isn't terrible. It's not as bad as you would think it would be. Looking since the All-Star break, because I just wanted to see. Since the All-Star break, the Sox on the road against righties have a 648 OPS a 284 Woba, and then an 84 Weighted Runs Created Plus. Terrible numbers. Terrible. Now, how about the Sox have progressive field versus righties? We know the Sox have really struggled at this ballpark this year. So against righties at progressive field, the Sox are dead last amongst all the other teams who have played there. Their OPS is 480, their Woba is 216, and their Weighted Runs Created Plus is 37. Even the Tigers have better numbers than that. Cleveland at home versus righties, 696 OPS this year, 306 Woba, 98 weighted runs created plus. Pretty identical to how the Sox have done on the road against righties. Identical to Cleveland at home versus righties. Cleveland goes back and forth with their offense. That's what's a little bit tricky here. You get the feeling that, yeah, Tristan McKenzie, obviously on paper, is the more trustworthy pitcher. But you still know Lance Lynn for being Lance Lynn. And you hope he can come alive at any point. But can you really trust him right now? Man, you know what? If the Sox had won the... the if the Sox, how they won those first two games against the Astros, say they did that in games three and four instead of one and two, and they had this momentum. I'd be going, yeah, you know what? Maybe Lance Lynn can carry that over, and you look at some plus money with the White Sox here. But the fact that it happened in games one and two, everybody was excited. It was exciting. And then we faded them games three and four. Astros won both of those games. We cashed in on both. And the way that they lost game four, like 21 to five, I just feel like that resets them and eliminates all the cool things they did in games one and game two. I, right? I mean, you kind of just reset back to the White Sox being the White Sox, and you're probably going to struggle on the road against the Guardians. This is how Cleveland capitalizes. Also, Cleveland has a great bullpen, 334 ERA, 117 whip. Chicago's at 413 ERA and a 133 whip. I made... The Guardians minus 130 in this game. 
they should be a favorite, but not an overwhelming favorite because the White Sox have proven they can just surprise you and win randomly. And maybe Lance Lynn does have a good outing. Every time I've said that, he's been horrendous. I made the White Sox plus 115 and I made the total at 8 because even though the wind's blowing in and it's not a hitter's ballpark, Lance Lynn could give up like seven earned runs in this throughout two innings. And I was pretty spot on, honestly. Bet Rivers opened up the Guardians minus 130 as well. However, the Sox were plus 112, and then the total, they had it at 7.5. Right now at Bet Rivers, minimal steam has gone toward Cleveland because the Guardians are up to minus 132. The Sox are up to plus 117. Total still at 7 in the hook. The juice is on the under, minus 118. If you want to go over 7.5, even money is what you're getting odds-wise. Plus one and a half runs on the run line for the White Sox. You're laying two bills. If you want to take, or pardon me, if you want to lay the run in the hook with the Guardians, the plus price is plus 165. Not bad at all if you want to go with the run line with Cleveland. I haven't made up my mind on this one yet, but it feels like the Guardians are the right play. It really just feels like this is going to be a stereotypical Guardians win against the White Sox at home based on the sample size we've seen this year. Again, do you really trust Lance Lynn? At least the Guardians are coming off a 8-4 win versus Detroit. Man, if they lost 3 out of 4, then yeah, maybe we'd be having a different conversation about the Guardians. And I know you take it game by game, but still, it's you got to take that into account. What about first five? Guardians first five minus 129, Chicago's plus 104. You could do the lead after five innings. The tie is plus 440. The White Sox are plus 138. The Guardians are plus 108. I mean, the thing, like, yeah, you could do the first five because you assume McKenzie may have the advantage over Lance Lynn. Simultaneously, this Guardians bullpen should be reliable enough. And the White Sox bullpen is vulnerable to just losing them any game, any time. So you might as well go full game at that point. In case, hey, the Sox are up, hey, it's a tie game, give yourself more of an open window for the Guardians to capitalize against, again, this wonky Chicago bullpen. So if you do want to fade the White Sox here, yeah, I'd probably go full game with the Guardians. Not saying I'm doing it right now, but... That may be one I end up tacking on to Danny's Dimes. Let me know what you're playing, though. At DannyBurke5, dburke at vsin.com. Let me know. You think the Sox have what it takes? I don't. It's not going to shock me if they win, folks. But from an objective betting standpoint, I would rather be putting my money in a team like Cleveland as opposed to Chicago in this specific situation. So that's where I'm at. Quick break here, folks. When we return, let's talk some college football. My preview of Week 0 with Nebraska and Northwestern and two college football season win total bets I have made throughout the course of this summer. That's coming next here on the Chicago CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. Kick off football season with Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook. All season long, Bet Rivers is your go to sportsbook for all football related content. So check out BetRivers.com or download the Bet Rivers app for the latest odds, unique promotions, player props, and more. 
Every week, Bet Rivers has unique football specials to help you win big. Cheer on your favorite teams and back your favorite players with Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Must be 21 years of age or older. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537. Okay, we are about ready to send you into your weekend as we're wrapping up another edition of the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Again, Danny Burke, your host at Danny Burke 5. You can follow on Twitter and make sure you're tuning into Rush Hour tonight, Monday through Friday. It goes 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time, broadcasting live out of the Bet Rivers Sportsbook. If you can't make it down, check us out at vsin.com. That's V S I N.com or the vsin app. The Xfinity app, YouTube TV, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, yeah, Fubo TV, Sling TV, you know the drill, Marquee Sports Network. I'm pretty sure I've said all that already, but you get the gist. Uh, folks, I will be out next week, like I was saying at the beginning of this show. So I wanted to spend some time previewing this Big Ten matchup between Nebraska and Northwestern. I will actually be in attendance for this game, wearing the bright red. Cheering on my Huskers, hoping that the inevitable disappointment does not come to fruition. But look, the odds are telling you that it should not be coming to fruition. So this game's in Dublin, as you know. Nebraska opened up at Bet Rivers as a 10.5 point favorite. Total opened up at 52.5. A little, a little uh, optimistic, I would say. And that's been implied by now the total being at 49.5. By the way, the spread up to 13.5 in favor of the Cornhuskers. Money line for Nebraska's minus 560. Northwestern's 4-1 to one as the dog. By the way, yeah, you can't bet this in Illinois. You can't bet on in-state schools. I know it's ridiculous. It's moronic, all the above. But if you go to Bet Rivers, you can click a different state, and that's where you can see the odds. You can't bet it. you got to be in that jurisdiction. But if you find a way, I'm just talking about this game just because. So, since Scott Frost has been head coach, here's how the matchups against Northwestern have gone, because it has not been smooth. It's been back and forth. Fitzgerald typically plays the Huskers tough, and they beat the Huskers in years they shouldn't. I mean, that should be every year, but you get my point. 2018, Scott Frost's first year. The Huskers lost 34-31 at Northwestern in overtime. Man, I remember watching that game at the ESPN Studios. In Lincoln, Nebraska, I was just, it was so frustrating because Nebraska had all the opportunities in the world to win that game. It was an incredible one. It just stunk with the end result. Then 2019, you barely get past Northwestern winning 13 to 10. 2020, COVID year, you lost 21 to 13 at Northwestern. And then this past year, you finally said, enough is enough. You defeated Northwestern at home 56 to seven last year was a nightmare for northwestern and unfortunately for all the folks in evanston i think that nightmare continues we talked about northwestern on rush hour last week i think if not at the beginning of this week i mean their win total is at like four i would rather bet the under than the over they don't have a solidified quarterback is Halinski their starter i presume okay but no one else offensively is gonna wow you the defense will be gritty enough because it's Pat Fitzgerald. But Nebraska just officially named Casey Thompson as their starter. Not a surprise. 
but here's the thing, and you've heard me talk about it numerous times, but in case anybody else hasn't, you know, I'm still going to run through it. Look, Nebraska, this is their year. Like, this has to be their year. It has to be their year because if it's not, Scott Frost is gone. You don't want to have to go out there and find anyone else because there really shouldn't be anyone else. You get the hometown kid, the champion, former Husker, Scott Frost is your coach after he dominated with his former school, uh, UCF. Like you brought over all of that hype and dominance and it just didn't translate. As you said it would in the Big Ten presser that you had, or pardon me, in your introductory press conference, you said the Big Ten is going to have to adapt to you. Uh, No, they're not, clearly, because it's been terrible for you. They brought in the big boys. They brought in some adults to help within the coaching staff. They cleaned house a little bit. Really, the the notable name that was kept was Nebraska's defensive coordinator, Eric Chenander, and he had this defense looking amazing last year. And they'll be fine. I don't think they'll be as good as they were last year, but they'll be good. They they really attacked the transfer portal with the defensive front. So I imagine they'll still have a solid defense. But the big thing that they did was bring in Mark Whipple from Pitt. And he comes in as offensive coordinator, and that means he should be calling the plays this year, which should take a load off of Scott Frost's back and take a load off the back of Nebraska Cornhusker fans because Scott Frost's play calling last year made me want to rip my damn hair out of my head. On fourth and shorts, on third and shorts, and goal line plays, it was terrible. It was awful. There was no rhythm. There was no variety. It was bad. That will change with Mark Whipple, an experienced offensive coordinator who just had great success at Pitt. They bring in Casey Thompson should be an upgrade in the quarterback position. Receivers should only be getting better. Offensive line, you would hope it's getting better. Running game, I don't know, but everything I've heard down in Lincoln should be fine. So can it all be put together now? Also, you got rid of that terrible kicker last year. I'm sorry, I look not to hit on the kid. I, I don't even remember his name, but... Uh, you know, apparently they have a better punter and field goal kicker now, too, because special teams was a wreck, like historically bad last year. So, yeah, there's a reason Nebraska's a double-digit favorite. There's a reason they're almost at a two-touchdown favorite. It's because they should have a capable and dominant offense. And Northwestern, conversely, is going to be awful again. But Fitzgerald typically does play him close. Now, again, last year, 56-7. to I get it. But it's week zero, it's in Ireland, wonky things can happen. Just ask Nebraska last year, week zero versus Illinois, you lost. A game you're supposed to win, Brett Bielema's first game. It's a little bit different, but still, you get my point. Objectively looking at this game, I would not want to do anything with this spread. Because, like I was saying, I mean, I get why Nebraska's getting love. They should win this game by at least 14. But do you want to lay that much with a new-look Nebraska team in this unique environment against a Big Ten opponent and against Pat Fitzgerald at that? No, I really don't. I would have been considering, and I said this jokingly when I was talking to my buddies down in Lincoln, I was like, if I wasn't going to be liquored up and drinking at this game, right, because you don't want to be at a game rooting for the under, you want action, I would say I would bet the under. But the line has kind of gotten out of hand now. Like I was mentioning, I mean, 52.5 is where it opened, and now it's moved three points at 49 in the hook. 
if you can still get like a 50 in a in a hook out there, I think I would still entertain the under if you want to get involved in this game and you don't mind sweating out an under. And the reason I say that is because, look, Northwestern, Pat Fitzgerald, the defense is typically going to be okay. Again, last year it was bad, but in this spot, they could be sufficient enough to limit Nebraska. And on the side of Nebraska, their offense, it's a new look offense, may take a little while to get acclimated, may be a little bit slow out of the gates, right? So that could add up to a lower scoring effort from both teams because Northwestern's offense ain't going to be anything special and Nebraska's defense should be just fine. So shop your numbers, see what you can get, see if some movement happens before the game, but I would be leaning under and gun to my head, yeah, I'd be leaning Nebraska. Go Big Red, baby. I'm going to be at the game. Maybe I'll tweet out if I end up playing anything. But uh, who knows at that point throughout my trip if I'm going to be making a sound uh, handicap at that point. So we'll see. Should be a blast, though. Really quick, folks, I uh, just wanted to recap two college football win total bets we had. Speaking of Nebraska, I did over seven and a half wins. You heard my spiel. This is their year. They got to get to a bowl game. They got to get... If they get seven wins, it's got to be a competitive, impressive seven wins for Scott Frost to stay. If it's a seven or six win, if it's a seven win season and it's not impressive like you blew leads, he'll be canned. He's not going to stay if it's a six win season, no matter what. You got to get to eight, though. That is where you have to reach in this season for Scott Frost. And the schedule lays it out nicely to where it is achievable. So give me over seven and a half wins for Nebraska minus 105. And the play I really, really, really am enamored with was Wisconsin under nine wins minus 115. No way in hell is Graham Mertz getting you double digit wins. One, he hasn't proven himself. Two, you lost a lot of people on this team. And three, the schedule is not very easy. It's difficult. It's, It's a lot of tough games on that schedule. You may get to nine wins. That's your absolute max. So in my mind, knock on wood, of course, worst case scenario, I'm pushing. That's how I view this win total bet. And shop around because there's a lot of eight and a halfs, but there's also several nines. So I went under nine wins with Wisconsin minus 115. I get that they plug and play and the running game is going to be tremendous and their defense is always going to be stellar. But guess what? When they're away from home, how are they going to compete in a shootout? How are they going to compete with a quarterback who may have a great year in Tanner Morgan, in Casey Thompson? And there are other difficult spots. I just don't see a mighty successful season out of the Badgers this year. So give me Wisconsin under nine wins minus 115 and give me Nebraska over seven and a half wins minus 105. That's going to do it, folks. Thank you for tuning into the Chicago City Cast. Make sure you tune into Rush Hour tonight to get my official Danny's Dimes. And follow on Twitter at DannyBurke5. If I add anything throughout this next week, I'll be sure to tweet it out. But I'm looking forward to it. I hope you are too, being Nebraska-Northwestern game. And uh, hopefully these two schools don't completely bore you to death for people who didn't attend either. So uh, should hopefully, fingers crossed, be a good one to get the college football season kicked off. Out in Dublin. Hopefully it's go big red all the way. All right, folks. Thank you once again. Enjoy your weekend and best of luck with all of your plays. We'll talk again in over a week.